we're supposed to review a movie today. Why the fuck I say it like that? I have no idea. But she fell asleep. And the day that we watched the movie, we were supposed to record. But I fell asleep. So. <laughs> we'll get it done. I'll I'll upload it this week, too. Because, fuck, I've been so late on everything. It, it's, it's funny how I thought I would have more time in the next two weeks. And it seems I, I don't have much time. Everything goes by so quickly. <laughs> so, I'm going to read We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Just a little sample of it, of course. It's going to be chapter six. Have I read this book? No. I seem to read, pick up a book, and then I forget about it or I drop it. The last book I read was very interesting. And yet, still, I ended up losing it. <laughs> in between the wall and my bed frame mattress eh, whatever I found it recently and I still don't seem to find time to pick it up and read it but like I said the past few days have been very chaotic to say the least so hopefully with the next couple of days nope because I have appointments to damn <laughs> well that's what I get for being too damn busy I guess here we are. So chapter six. The house was not secure just because Charles had gone out of it into, a, into the village. For one thing, Constance had given him a key to the gates. There had originally been a key for each of us. Our father had a key and our mother, and the keys were kept on the rack beside the kitchen door. When Charles started out of the village, Constance gave him a key. Perhaps our father's key, and a shopping list, and the money to pay for what he bought. You shouldn't keep money in the house like this, he said, holding it tight in his hand for a minute before he reached into the back pocket and took out a wallet. Women alone like you are... What? Women alone like you are... Yeah, that's what it says. You shouldn't keep money in the house. I was watching him from the corner of the kitchen, but... I would not let Jonas come to me while Charles was in the house. Are you sure you put everything down? He asked Constance. I hate to make two trips. I waited until Charles was well along, perhaps almost to the Black Rock, and then I said, he forgot the library books. Constance looked at me for a minute. Miss Wickedness, she said. You wanted him to forget. How could he know about the library books? He doesn't belong in the house. He has nothing to do with our books. Do you know, Constance said, looking into the pot on the stove. I think that soon we will be picking lettuce. The weather has stayed so warm. On the moon, I said, and then stopped. On the moon, Constance said, turning to smile at me. You have lettuce all year round, perhaps? On the moon, we have everything. Lettuce, and pumpkin pie, and Eminentia phalloids. Don't get me lying. We have catford plants and horses dancing with their wings. All the locks are solid and tight, and there are no ghosts. On the moon, Uncle Julian would be well, and the sun would shine every day. You would wear our mother's pearls and sing, and the sun would shine all the time. 
I wish I could go to your moon. I wonder if I should start the gingerbread now. It will be cold if Charles is late. I'll be here to eat it, I said. But Charles said he loved gingerbread. I was making a little house at the table, out of the library books, standing one across, two set on edge. Old witch, I said, you have a gingerbread house. I do not, Constance said. I have a lovely house where I live with my sister, Maricat. I laughed at her. She was worrying at the pot on the stove, and she had flour on her face. Maybe he'll never come back, I said. He has to. I'm making gingerbread for him. Since Charles had taken my occupation for Tuesday morning, I had nothing to do. I wondered about going down the creek, but I had no reason to suppose that the creek would even be there, since I never visited on Tuesday mornings. Would the people in the village be waiting for me, glancing from corners of their eyes to see if I was coming, nudging one another, and then turn in astonishment when they saw Charles? Perhaps the whole village would falter and slow, bewildered at the lack of Miss Mary Catherine Blackwood. I giggled, thinking of Jim Donnell and the Harris boys peering anxiously up the road to see if I was coming. What's funny? Constance asked, turning to see. I was thinking that you might make a gingerbread man, and I could name him Charles and eat him. Oh, Maricat, please. I could tell that Constance was going to be irritable partly because of me and partly because of the gingerbread. So I thought it wiser to run away since it was a free morning and I was uneasy at going out of the doors. It might be a good time to search out a device to use against Charles. I started upstairs. The smell of baking gingerbread followed me almost halfway up the top. Charles had left his door open, not wide, but enough for me to get a hand inside. When I pushed a little door open wide and I looked at our father's room, which now belonged to Charles. Charles had made his bed, I noticed. His mother must have taught him. His suitcase was on the chair, but it was closed. There were things belonging to Charles on the dresser where our father's possessions had always been kept. I saw Charles' pipe and handkerchief, things that Charles had touched in, used dirtying our father's room. One drawer of the dresser was a little open, and I thought again of Charles picking over our father's clothes. I walked very softly across the room because I did not want Constance to hear me from downstairs, and looked into the open drawer. I thought Charles would not be pleased to know that I had caught him looking at our father's things, and something from this drawer might be extraordinarily powerful, since it would carry a guilt of Charles. I was not surprised to find that he had been looking at our father's jewelry. Inside the drawer was a leather box, which held, I knew, a watch and chain made of gold and cufflinks and a signet ring. I would not touch our mother's jewelry, but Constance had not said anything about our father's jewelry, had not even come into the room so neat and so thought I could open the box and take something out. The watch was inside in a small private box of its own, resting on a satin lining and not ticking. 
and the watch chain was curled beside it. I would not touch the ring. The thought of a ring around my finger always made me feel tied, tight, because rings had no openings to get out of. But I liked the watch chain, which twisted and wound around my hand when I picked it up. I put the jewelry box carefully back inside the drawer and closed the drawer and went out of the room and closed the door after me. I took the watch chain into my room, where it curled again into a sleeping gold heap on the pillow. I had intended to bury it, but I was sorry when I thought how long it had been there in the darkness in the box in her father's drawer, and I thought that it had earned a place up high where it could sparkle in the sunlight, and I decided to nail it to the tree where the book had come down while Constance made gingerbread in the kitchen and Uncle Julian slept in his room and Charles walked in and out of the village doors I lay on my bed and played with my golden chain. That's my brother's gold chain, Uncle Julian said, leaning forward curiously. I thought he was buried in it. Charles' hand was shaking as he held it out. I could see it shaking against the yellow of the wall behind him. In a tree, he said, and his voice shaking too. I found it nailed to a tree for God's sake. What kind of house is this? It's not important, Constance said. Really, Charles, it's not important. Not important? Connie, this thing's made of gold. But no one wants it. One of the links is smashed, Charles said, mourning over the chain. I could have worn it. What a hell of a way to treat a valuable thing. We could have sold it, said Constance. He had said to Constance. But why? I certainly didn't think. He was buried in it, Uncle Julian said. He was never a man to give things away easily. I suppose he never knew they kept it from him. It's worth money, Charles said, explaining carefully to Constance. This is a gold watch chain, worth possibly a good deal of money. Sensible people don't go around nailing this kind of valuable things to trees. Lunch will be cold if you stand there worrying. I'll take it up and put it back in the box where it belongs, Charles said. No one but me noticed that he knew where it had been kept. Later... He said, looking at me, well, we'll find out who got it on that tree. Maricat put it there, Constance said. Please do come to lunch. How do you know about Mary? She always does, Constance smiled at me. Silly Maricat. Does she indeed, said Charles. He came slowly over to the table looking at me. He was a man very fond of his person, Uncle Julian said given to adoring adorning himself and not overly clean it was quiet at the kitchen constance was in uncle julian's room putting him to bed for his afternoon nap how old is fucking uncle julian dude for real where would poor cousin mary go if her sister turned her out charles asked jonas who listened quietly what would poor cousin mary do if constance and charles didn't love her <sighs> I cannot think why it seemed to me that I might simply ask Charles to go away. Perhaps I thought that he had to be asked politely, just once. Perhaps the idea of going away had just not come into his mind, and it was necessary to put it there. I decided that Charles to go away is the next thing to do. Nope, shit. Before he was everywhere in the house.
and could be eradicated. Already the house smelled of him, of his pipe and his shaving lotion, and the noise of him echoed in the room all day long. His pipe was sometimes in the kitchen table, and his gloves or his tobacco pouch or his constant boxes of matches were scattered throughout our rooms. He walked into the village each afternoon and brought back newspapers, which he left lying anywhere in the kitchen where Constance might see them. A spark from his pipe had left a tiny burn in the rose brocade of chair, rose brocade of a chair, in the drawing room. Constance had not yet noticed it and thought not to tell her because I hoped that the house injured would reject him by itself. <clears throat> Constance, I asked her in the bright morning. Charles had been in the house for three days then, I thought. Constance, has he said anything yet about leaving? She was increasingly cross with me when I wanted Charles to leave. Always before Constance had listened and smiled and only been angry when Jonas and I had been wicked, but now she frowned at me often, as though I somehow looked different to her. I've told you, she said to me. I've told you, and I told you that I won't hear any more silliness about Charles. He is our cousin, and he has been invited to visit us, and he will probably go when he is ready. He makes Uncle Julian sicker. He's only trying to keep Uncle Julian from thinking about sad things all the time. And I agree with him. Uncle Julian should be cheerful. Why should he be cheerful if he's going to die? Well, I haven't been doing my duty, Constance said. I don't know what that means. I've been hiding here, Constance said slowly, as though she were not all sure of the correct order of the words. She stood by the stove in the sunlight with her color in her hair and eyes not smiling. She slowly said, I have let Uncle Julian spend all this time living in the past, particularly reliving that one dreadful day. I have let you run wild. How long has it been since you've combed your hair? I could not allow myself to be angry, and particularly not angry with Constance. But I wish Charles dead. Constant needed guarding more than ever. And if I became angry and looked inside, she might very well be lost. I said very cautiously, on the moon, on the moon, Constance said and laughed unpleasantly. <laughs> it's all been my fault, she said. I didn't realize how wrong I was letting things go on and on because I wanted to hide. It wasn't fair to you or to Uncle Julian. And Charles is also mending the broken step. Uncle Julian should be in the hospital with nurses to take care of him. And you, she opened her eyes wide suddenly as though seeing old Maricat again. And then she held out her arms to me. Oh, Maricat, she said and laughed a little. Listen to me scolding you. How silly I am. I went to here and not here. I went to her and put my arms around her. I love you, Constance. You're a good child, Mary Katz, she said. That was when I left her and went outside to talk to Charles. I knew I would dislike talking to Charles, but it was almost too late to ask him politely. And I thought I should ask him once. Even the garden had become a strange landscape with Charles's figure in it. I could see him standing under the apple trees and the trees were crooked and shortened beside him. I came out the kitchen door 
and walked slowly toward him. I was trying to think charitably of him, since I would never be able to speak kindly until I did. But whenever I thought of his big white face grinning at me across the table or watching me whenever I moved, I wanted to beat at him until he went away. I wanted to stamp on him after he was dead and see him lying dead on the grass. So I made my mind charitable toward Charles and came up to him slowly. Cousin Charles, I said, and he turned to me and thought of seeing him dead. Cousin Charles? Well, I have decided to ask you. Please go away. All right, he said. You asked me. Please, will you go away? No, he said. I could not think of anything further to say. I saw that he was wearing our father's gold watch chain even with the crooked link, and I knew without seeing that our father's watch was in his pocket. I thought that tomorrow he would be wearing our father's signet ring, and I wondered if he would make Constance put on our mother's pearls. You stay away from Jonas, I said. As a matter of fact, he said, come about a month from now. I wonder who will still be here. You, he said, or me. I ran back into the house and straight up to the fa- up to my father's room, where I hammered with the shoe and a mirror over the dresser until it cracked across. Then I went into my room and rested my head on the windowsill and slept. I was remembering these days to be kinder to Uncle Julian. I was sorry because he was spending more and more time in his room, taking both his breakfast and his lunch on a tray and only eating his dinners in the dining room under the despising eyes of Charles. Can you feed him or something? Charles asked Constance. He's got food all over himself. I didn't mean to, Uncle Julian said, looking at Constance. Ought to wear a baby bib, Charles said, laughing. While Charles sat in the kitchen in the mornings, eating huge, hugely of ham and potatoes and fried eggs and hot biscuits and donuts and toast, Uncle Julian drowsed in his room over his hot milk, and sometimes when he called to Constance, Charles said, Tell him you're busy. You don't have no time to go running every time he wants. What? You don't have to go running. Oh, there we go. Every time he wants his bed. He's just like, he just likes being waited on. I always had my breakfast earlier than Charles on those sunny mornings. And if he came down before I finished, I would take my plate out and sit on the grass under the chestnut tree. I once brought Uncle Julian a new leaf from the chestnut and put it on his windowsill. I stood outside in the sunlight and looked in him, looked in at, oh, honey, I'm really tripping on all these words, looked in and looked in at him lying still in the dark room and tried to think of ways I might be kinder. I thought of him lying there alone dreaming of Uncle Julian's dreams and I went into the kitchen and said to Constance, Will you make Uncle Julian a little soft cake for his lunch? She's too busy now, Charles said with his mouthful. Your sister works like a slave. Will you, I asked Constance. I'm sorry, Constance said. I have too much to do. But Uncle Julian is going to die. Constance is too busy, Charles said. Run along and play. I followed Charles Charles one afternoon when he went to the village. I stopped by the Black Rock because... It was not one of my days for going into the village. 
and watched Charles go down the main street. He stopped and talked for a minute to Stella, who was standing in the sunlight outside her shop, and he bought a paper. When I saw him sit down on the benches with the other men, I turned and went back to our house. If I went into the village shopping again, Charles would be one of the men who watched me going past. Constance was working in her garden, and Uncle Julian slept in his chair in the sun. And when I sat quietly on my bench, Constance asked, not looking up at me, Where have you been, Maricat? Wandering. Where is my cat? I think, Constance said, that we are going to have to forbid you wandering. It's time you quieted down a little. Does we mean you and Charles? Maricat. Constance turned toward me, sitting back against her feet and folding her hands before her. I never realized until lately how wrong I was to let you and Uncle Julian hide here with me. We should have faced the world and tried to live normal lives. Uncle Julian should have been in the hospital all these years with good care and nurses to watch him. We should have been living like other people. You should. She stopped and waved her hands helplessly. You should have boyfriends, she said finally, and then began to laugh because she sounded funny, even to herself. I have Jonas, I said, when we both laughed and Uncle Julian woke up suddenly and laughed a thin old cackle. You are the silliest person I ever saw, I told Constance, and went off to look for Jonas. While I was wonder wandering, Charles came back to our house. He brought a newspaper and a bottle of wine for his dinner, and our father's scarf, which I had used to tie shut the gate, because Charles had a key. I could have worn this scarf, he said irritably, and I heard him from the vegetable garden where I had found Jonas sleeping in tangled young lettuce plants. It's an expensive thing, and I like the colors. It belonged to father, Constance said. That reminds me, Charles said. One of these days, I'd like to look over the rest of his clothes. He was quiet for a minute. I thought he probably, I thought he was probably sitting down on my bench. Then he went on very lightly. Also, he said, while I'm here, I ought to go over your father's papers. There might be something important. Not my papers, Uncle Julian said. That young man is not to put a finger on my papers. I haven't even seen your father's study, Charles said. We don't use it. Nothing in there is ever touched. Except the safe, of course, Charles said. Constance? Yes, Uncle Julian. I want you to have my papers afterward. No one else is to touch my papers. Do you hear me? Yes, Uncle Julian. I was not allowed to open the safe where Constance kept our father's money. I was allowed to go into the study, but I disliked it and never even touched the doorknob. I hope Constance would not open the study for Charles. He already had our father's bedroom, after all, and our father's watch, and his gold chain, and his signet ring. I was thinking that being a demon and a ghost must be very difficult, even for Charles. If he ever forgot, or let his disguise drop for a minute, he would be recognized at once and driven away. He must be extremely careful to use the same voice every time and present the same face in the same manner without a slip. He must be constantly on guard against betraying himself. I wonder if he would turn back to his true form when he was dead, when it grew cooler, and then I knew that Constance would be taking Uncle Julian indoors and left Jonas asleep on the lettuce plants and came back into the house. When I came into the kitchen, Uncle Julian was poking furiously at the papers on his table, trying to get them into a small heap, and Constance was peeling potatoes, 
I can hear Charles moving around upstairs. And for a minute, the kitchen was warm and glowing and bright. Jonas is asleep on the lettuce, I said. There is nothing I like more than a cat fur in my salad, Constance said, eminable. It is time that I had a box, Uncle Julian announced. He sat back and looked angrily at his papers. They must all be put into a box this very minute. Constance. Yes, Uncle Julian, I'll find you a box. If I put all my papers in the box and I put the box in my room, then the dreadful young man cannot touch them. He is a dreadful young man, Constance. Really, Uncle Julian, Charles is very kind. He is dishonest. His father is, was dishonest. Both my brothers were dishonest. If he tries to take my papers, you must stop him. I cannot permit tampering with my papers, and I will not tolerate intrusion. You must tell him this, Constance. He's a bastard. Uncle Julian, in a purely metaphorical sense, I assure you both my brothers married women of very strong will. This is merely a word used among men, my dear. I apologize for submitting you to such a word, to categorize an undesirable fella. Constance turned without speaking and opened the door, which led to the cellar stairs to the rows and rows of food preserved in the very bottom of our house. She went quietly down the stairs, and we could hear Charles moving upstairs and Constance moving downstairs. William of Orange was a bastard, Uncle Julian said to himself. He took a bit of paper and made a note. Constance came back up to the cellar, up the cellar stairs with a box, which she brought to Uncle Julian. Here is a clean box, she said. What for? Uncle Julian asked. To put your papers in. That young man is not to touch my papers, Constance. I will not have that young man going through my papers. This is all my fault, Constance said, turning to me. He should be in a hospital. I will put my papers in that box, Constance, my dear. If you will be kind enough to hand it to me. He was a ha he was he has a happy time, I said to Constance. I should have done everything differently. It would certainly not be kind to put Uncle Julian in a hospital. But I'll have to if I and Constance stopped suddenly and turned back to the sink and the potatoes. Shall I put walnuts in the applesauce? she asked. I sat very quietly listening to what she had almost said. Time was running shorter, tightening around our house, crushing me. And I thought it might be time to smash the big mirror in the hall. But then Charles's feet were coming heavily down the stairs and through the hall and into the kitchen. Well, well, everybody's here, he said. What's for dinner? That evening, Constance played for us in the drawing room, the tall curve of her harp making shadows against our mother's portrait and the soft notes falling into the air like petals. She played over the sea to sky and flowed gently sweet afton. Afton? Okay. And I, and I saw a lady. And other songs our mother used to play, but I never remembered that our mother's fingers touched the string so lightly with such a breath of melody. Uncle Julian kept himself awake, listening and dreaming, and even Charles did not quite dare to put his feet on the furniture in the drawing room. Although the smoke from his pipe drifted against the wedding cake ceiling and he moved restlessly while Constance played, a delicate touch, Uncle Julian said. All the Blackwood women had a gifted touch, 
Charles stopped by the fireplace to knock his pipe against the gate. Pretty, he said, taking down one of the, the Dresden figurines. Constance stopped playing and turned to look at her. And he turned to look at her. Valuable? Not particularly, Constance said. My mother liked them. Uncle Julian said, My particular favorite was always Bluebells of Scotland. Constance, my dear, would you? No more now, Charles said. Now, Constance, I want to talk to Uncle. We've got plans to make. Huh. Well, well, well. That was that one. Let me see. I think this is the synopsis. My name is Mary Blackwood. I am 18 years old. I live with my sister, Constance. I have often thought that with any luck at all, I could have been born a werewolf because the two middle fingers on both my hands are the same length. But I've had to be content with what I had. I dislike washing myself and dogs and noise. I like my sister Constance and Richard. And um, that palatines again. I don't know what the hell that is. The death cup mushroom. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Everyone else in my family is dead. Oh, she's so sweet. I like her already. Wow. That was fun. I have no idea what I really wrote, what I really read. Besides the fact that um, there's a snooty little cousin trying to get everything. And Constance is um, Marge Simpson from The Simpsons where she's just ignoring every single negative iota that there is and looking at me because again. <sighs> Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening to me today. If you like, go ahead, share, subscribe, follow. What? Oh, my goodness. I'm slurring again. I'll talk to you on the next one. Bye.